Welcome to Jury Duty. I'm your host, Carrie Antholis. This season of Jury Duty explores the trial of Kyle Rittenhouse, who was charged with the reckless homicide of Joseph Rosenbaum, the intentional homicide of Anthony Huber, and the attempted intentional homicide of Gage Grosskreutz. As Rittenhouse was the undisputed shooter of all three men, his legal team argued that the shootings were in self-defense. In our last episode, we progressed with our look at the direct examination of Daily Caller videographer Richie McGinnis as Prosecutor Thomas Binger questioned McGinnis about the events that led him to follow Kyle Rittenhouse as he ran south on Sheridan Road with a fire extinguisher and his AR-15 on August 25, 2020. On today's episode, we continue that examination as McGinnis describes the events leading up to Rittenhouse's shooting of Joseph Rosenbaum. That's all coming up right after the break. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. As we concluded our last episode, Prosecutor Thomas Binger had asked Richie McGinnis to describe the events that culminated in Joseph Rosenbaum beginning to chase Kyle Rittenhouse into the car source lot on 63rd and Sheridan Road. Binger now guides McGinnis to relate his experience of the moments leading up to the shooting of Joseph Rosenbaum in that car source lot. McGinnis says that he heard yelling and saw a lot of people in the streets, and then McGinnis says that he saw... Mr. Rosenbaum bomb advanced towards Mr. Rittenhouse. Uh, Mr. Rittenhouse gave like a, I think he maybe saw him coming and gave like kind of a, I said on the night of uh, to police that it was like a juke, but it was more like just a, a pivot and a run. Please continue. What, what happened after that, as um, far as you recall? And, and then um, he pivoted uh, and he ran towards this um, parking lot right here. So he was like right on the side of the street and he ran towards this lot and um, Mr. Rosenbaum ran after him and I was behind both of them. And you continue to be behind Mr. Rosenbaum at the time that the defendant shot and killed him, correct? Um, I did alter my trajectory a little bit um, when I saw Mr. Rittenhouse turn around and saw Mr. Rosenbaum um, lunging for the front portion of the rifle. Let me stop you there for a second. First of all, we know now that that individual who was shot and killed by the defendant was Joseph Rosenbaum. Mm-hmm. At the moment this was all going on that night, did you have any idea who that person was? No clue. After Binger has McGinnis relate that he mistakenly thought he was recording video of the unfolding events with his phone, he next seeks to establish that Joseph Rosenbaum was unarmed. Did you ever see a weapon on Mr. Rosenbaum? I did not. Never saw a gun on Mr. Rosenbaum? I did not. Never saw him have a knife? Nope. Never saw him have a club or a bat or a chain or anything like that? I just saw the the bag that was thrown. That was it. Binger then plays aerial footage of the moments leading up to the shooting recorded by the FBI. 
He has McGinnis identify himself in the footage following Rittenhouse and Rosenbaum, and then asks McGinnis to recount his memory of the events that happened next. Uh, what I'd like you to do, Mr. McGinnis, is tell the jury your, uh, in your own words, uh, what was going on at this particular moment um, where we stopped the um, video. So basically, I was running behind Mr. Rittenhouse and Mr. Rosenbaum, and um, like I mentioned before, uh, Mr. Rittenhouse turned around and Mr. Rosenbaum continued and uh, I was continu continuing, uh, but then I realized, you know, that they were about to basically collide. Um, and so uh, at that moment, um, I was still running, but just before the shots, I kind of altered my trajectory of my run a little bit uh, in the direction that I perceived to be uh, out of uh, harm's way. What do you mean harm's way? You, you were several feet away from them. What, what was the harm to you? Well, um, once Mr. Rittenhouse turned around and Mr. Rosenbaum continued, it was a very short, very, very short period of time um, from when he turned around to uh, when um, the, the shots were fired. And basically in that very short period of time, I realized that Mr. Rosenbaum was continuing to advance and that uh, Mr. Rittenhouse uh, was standing still and that they would be um, uh, based on Mr. Rosenbaum's uh, the way that he was running and, and then eventually lunging towards the front portion of the rifle. Um, it was clear to me that something with the weapon was about to happen and I didn't want to be on the wrong side of that. When you say something with the weapon was about to happen, what do you mean? Well, it wasn't clear to me whether the weapon would be grabbed or, or fired or what exactly was going to happen. But it was clear to me that uh, it was a situation where it was it was likely that um, something uh, dangerous was going to happen, what be it Mr. Rosenbaum grabbing it, uh, Mr. Rittenhouse shooting it. I, I didn't know, but I knew that uh, my eyes at that moment were like in this exact moment were fixated on the barrel of the uh, weapon because I didn't want to end up uh, on the receiving end of that. You said your eyes were focused on the barrel of the weapon. Yes. Where was the barrel of the weapon pointed? Um, at, at this moment, when he stopped, it was aimed about 45 degrees at the ground. Did the aim of the barrel of the weapon change? It, it did. Um, and when Mr. Rosenbaum lunged, uh, Mr. Rittenhouse uh, kind of dodged around. Um, and then uh, that's when it was leveled at Mr. Rosenbaum and fired. What was the position of Mr. Rosenbaum's body when the defendant fired at him? Well, there were four shots, but at the, it was like in one continuous motion, it was like a lunge towards the front portion, a dodge around. And um, when he missed, um, his momentum continued forward. So and I'm going to stop you for one second. Yeah. When he missed, who's he? Mr. Rosenbaum, I'm sorry. Please continue. Um, when Mr. Rosenbaum, um, did not make contact with Mr. Rittenhouse, or it wasn't clear to me whether or not they made contact, but what was clear to me was that um, the trajectory of the rifle wasn't really altered by Mr. Rosenbaum's lunge. So if they did make contact, then it was um, just a glance. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. 
That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Binger next points out to McGinnis that he gave an interview to Tucker Carlson of Fox News in which he said that Joseph Rosenbaum was shot while he was falling forward. And then Binger plays a section of that interview for the jury. Well, Tucker, I was just about 10 or 12 feet behind them as they ran into the parking lot. And what I saw was Rosenbaum pursuing Rittenhouse and Rittenhouse turned around. Now, right before he turned around, I'm not sure if this was a reason why he turned around, but there was a gunshot and that's actually visible on video. It's not clear whether or not that gunshot was fired into the air or towards Rittenhouse, but Rittenhouse did turn around immediately after that. And at that point, he went from running away to aiming his weapon at Rosenbaum, and I was actually directly behind Rosenbaum. So I took one or two steps to my right, right as Rosenbaum was lunging for the barrel of the rifle, and he was that close to him. And Rittenhouse actually took the barrel of the rifle and just dodged around. And at that point, as Rosenbaum was falling forward, he fired quickly four shots into Rosenbaum. And at that point, I was only about... We just played an excerpt from a video uh, interview that you did with Tucker Carlson on Fox News. Do you recall this interview? Yes. And the date of this interview is August 28th, 2020. Yes. Does that sound about right? Mm -hmm. So that's three days after the events occurred. Is that, is that fair I to think, say? Uh, I think it was on... A, so it happened on a Tuesday, and I believe that that was Friday. Sure. Three days later. Um, fair to say that on Friday after this incident, your memory of it might be better than it is 14 months later? Um, it's just the same. I'm never going to forget it. I, generally speaking, people's memory is better when it's closer in time. You'd agree with that? Yeah. And you mentioned seeing some other videos before you gave this interview to Tucker Carlson. So you'd watch some things in those three days, correct? That is correct, yes. Okay. But in this video here, uh, you are telling uh, Fox News, Dr. Mm -hmm. Carlson, that the defendant shot Mr. Rosenbaum as Mr. Rosenbaum was falling forward, correct? Um, yeah, it's unclear to me because the shots were so quick uh, uh, whether, you know, the shots are the reason why he, uh, because he lunged and then the shot was fired as he was lunging. So it was like... Um, I guess perhaps it was the shots that caused him to then, rather than stopping himself, um, just fall flat. That's not what you just said. Let's play this back about 20 seconds, please. The interview plays again, and we hear McGinnis say, quote, Rittenhouse actually took the barrel of the rifle and just dodged around. And at that point, as Rosenbaum was falling forward, he fired quickly four shots into Rosenbaum, end quote. Binger continues. Your interview three days after this incident says that Mr. Rosenbaum was already falling forward when the defendant used the gun and discharged the shots. I, I don't see why that's inconsistent with what I'm saying right now. He was, he was lunging, falling. Um, I would use those as synonymous terms in this situation because basically, you know, he threw his momentum towards the weapon. And when the weapon wasn't there, his momentum was continuing. 
And that's the point at which he fired. So if you use the word falling or lunging, it was his momentum was going forward. And that's the point at which he fired the shots. That's exactly what I'm getting at. A few seconds ago, you were saying that you weren't sure if Mr. Rosenbaum started falling because he was shot. But in your interview here, the falling is occurring before the defendant even shoots Mr. That's Rosenbaum. That's not what I said. According well, to your interview. Let me, let me clarify. I said that I wasn't sure if he didn't catch himself because he was shot. Because you can lunge forward and then put your foot out and stop yourself from falling. So it wasn't clear to me, you know, for example, if he had, if the shots had not been fired, it's not clear to me whether he would have fallen or whether he would have caught himself. That's, that's what I meant when I said that. At any rate, your statement in this interview and what you're telling us here today in person is that Mr. Rosenbaum was already falling forward when the defendant shot him. Is that yes, accurate? his momentum was going forward. I don't know this term falling, I, I just wouldn't I'm, use that. So I'm you, not going to say that because that's not what I You actually have said that. I'm well, using your I'm words. not going to say that right now because I'm clarifying. Um, you're, it's correct. It was a live interview. No, no. And... You can ask questions, but don't comment on the witness's testimony. Yeah. Uh, at any rate, whether it's the momentum, falling, however you want to put it, Mr. Rosenbaum was in that motion. Yes. Before the defendant shot. Yes. Judge Schrader calls for another break, and with that, we bring to a close this episode of Jury Duty, The Trial of Kyle Rittenhouse. Join us on our next episode for our weekly recap as we take a look at some of the subtext of this direct examination of Richie McGinnis by Prosecutor Thomas Binger. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. You can find more information about this trial at crimestory.com. Jury Duty is created, hosted, and produced by yours truly, Carrie Antholis. It was co-produced by Chris Taracone and Aaron Karenik, and it was edited by Chris Taracone. Our consulting producer is Brittany Bookbinder. Music for this episode was provided by Strike Audio, and Trial Audio is courtesy of Law & Crime Networks. Thank you for joining us, and we hope you will come back for the next episode of Jury Duty the trial of Kyle Rittenhouse.